welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. All right, welcome into the round three preview on the Six Again Rugby League podcast. Um, my name's Adam, one of the regular co-hosts, and our other co-host, Jared, is on an emergency COVID statewide Zoom call uh, with his employer. So filling in, um, probably a step up, honestly, is Nicholas, our resident St. George Dragon supporter, who's been on the show a number of times now. How are you going, Nick? Oh, that's Good, mate. Thanks for... Uh, going, Wally? I don't think I've ever... Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> It's weird, like between the hours of like seven till Nick and then outside of that, no one called Nick. So I'm just going to like, pass that. It's like when I first heard um, William Mutant. I was like, fuck, another mute. <laughs> yeah, it must be a cousin. Who is it? Oh, um, oh, Billy, yeah, that makes sense. Shit. Yeah. Jared no, messaged good, me. Oh, it's good. Really good. Jared messaged me about 6.30 and we usually start recording at 8, um, saying that he's in a statewide zoom call because yes we're from sunshine coast queensland so just north of brisbane as of 5 p.m today uh queensland's in a what's it what's the word uh new covid protocol lockdown board and part, yeah, brisbane's in like uh, total lockdown so yeah jared couldn't do tonight's show but with so much stuff going on we still have to do it um today because who knows what it's going to be in three weeks but how was your weekend? What did you get up to? Anything? Oh, God, I'm trying to think. I had my uh, well-earned RDO on Friday, mate, so oh. it easy. Yeah, you know, tough life. Get, getting life. ready for the uh, St. George Manly matchup that I was... Yeah, I had a, I had a pamper, actually. Went and treated myself to a massage. And, Ooh! Oh, you know, yeah, I should have done that after the Dragons game, actually. Um, and then we had uh, Stephen Dodd's birthday on Saturday, so... We're on a, oh, that would have been uh, fine. Yeah, on a boat party, so. Nice. Uh, I was was he 30, 34? Stephen? No, he's the same age as me, mate, 27. Does, really? Yeah, yeah. Holy shit, I thought, isn't he with Ansi's group? I don't know. He is, but he's just like the baby of the group. Holy Jordan, shit. Yeah Jordan's, just, yeah, Jordan's just clinging onto his youths, mate. That's it. Well, we're just talking about um, yeah, mates from footy, different age groups. It always freaks me out. I'm one of the oldest. Uh, yeah, don't forget you. I'm to 34. True. Ah, oh, yeah. that's just what I need today. Oh, yeah. shit. Yourself, mate. What did you get up to on the weekend? It was, um, well, we actually had, what, four days in a row of sunshine up here, which has been nice. So, baseball, mm. actually got to play baseball. So, we had our semi-final, won it. 17-5, I think. So, yeah, I know. We hadn't played in two weeks. We're just amped up, ready to go. And they may have been missing two of their best players. Um, feet on the throat. And so we're in the grand final yep. two weeks. And then Good stuff. right back right back into my Formula One again this year. So there's yep. a bit of uh, policy and rule changes, COVID mess of it of stuff up this year, last year. So it's been... A lot closer in practice and qualifying. So I watched all that and I've watched the first three laps of the race. So if this finishes any time before midnight, um, my plan is to catch the race before going back to work tomorrow. But yeah, well, I hope for our sake that it does. 
Yes, and it's been a huge weekend <laughs> in league, and I've well, obviously last, just been. Last time we, oh. last time we wrapped up, so. Yeah, and that was that was just yeah that was different. That was just fucking like chatting and game show and, <laughs> and like all light straight, stuff, and then. Jared. Oh, Jared messaged me last night saying you're ready to go. And I sent him back a picture of me just against the wall, eyes shut. <laughs> and he's like, what's going on? I'm like, man, baseball semi-final. We did three loads of picking up furniture, two loads to the tip. Had the apprentices over. They've got a four and a two-year-old, same as our kids. Had a pizza night. I was just wrecked. I'm like, we'll just do it tomorrow night. And then obviously between then and now, COVID has hit. Um, things have changed and... Yeah, I just had to catch up on everything this afternoon. Um, Actually, yeah. one thing, just before you move on, congratulations on becoming an uncle again, though. Oh, yes. That. Yes. Thank you. I See, with everything, I didn't even write that down. Um, thank you very much. My youngest brother, Timothy, Tim, and his girlfriend, wonderful girlfriend, Ash, have welcomed their first child into the world. I'm pretty sure I'm allowed to tell people now. Anyway. It's on, it's on Facebook, so I don't know. Oh, cool. It's Facebook official. So they welcome their son, Elijah, a good old four kilos of him, which in baby terms is pretty big, supposedly. And, um, yeah, so I'm an uncle for the second time in a year, waiting four years after having our kids. So I finally got to be an uncle. Now it's twice, a girl and a, a niece and a nephew. So, yeah, pretty exciting. Haven't met the little guy yet, but hoping to next couple of days. But, yeah, thanks, bud. And um, so before we jump in, we'll just go over the tips and bets. I'm just bringing up the yes, um, the 60 and footy tipping comp. So a lot of people struggle with tipping this week for some reason or another with Melbourne and uh, Roosters losing. So the highest score on the 60 and footy tipping comp on footytips.com.au uh, was five. Um, now, Drum Kelly still leading overall on 15, 19 points. However, Burley Bulldogs and the underscore Irk, U-R-Q, um, both scored five this week and have chased him up or her up. Uh, and they're on 18. So you've got Drum Kelly on 19, Burley Bulldogs and the underscore Irk on 18, and then a whole bunch on 17, 16. Then you come down to myself, who got four this week. I'm on 15. And Jared got the dreaded one. One on his tipping. Um, he's on a who, who was the lucky one tied for last. Oh, wait, I'm not I can that. check. Yeah, must have been. I think Parry, yeah, he got so he went Melbourne, Manly, Roosters, Raiders, Bulldogs, Cowboys, Knights. Yeah, so Parramatta was his. Oh, why did he go? Oh, yeah. evaluate some of his life choices, Oh man, so yeah, he's um weighted down the bottom there so and on the best bets of course he went $30 on Bulldogs so he lost another 30 bucks there um and I had $10 on the Roosters Rabbitohs game to be a draw at half time with the Roosters winning um and Latrell Mitchell the score so that did not work out so I'm on 100 bucks I'm back to square and Jared is now down to $40 so I've got a $60 lead I think that's pretty much everything in beer and banner we'll be back after a very quick break with everything happening off the field in Off the Ruck. Okay. I don't know if there's any sport in Australia, let alone in the world, that can deal up so much stuff in literally three and a half days in between recordings. Because 
I, um, Wally did the similar thing. He actually got to watch more footy than I did this weekend, but even he had to go back to watch the highlights of Thursday and Friday to remember what happened because all the talk and buzz around this 18th man coming in, uh, origin eligibility, the amount of injuries, suspensions, COVID lockdown in Brisbane, Broncos having to relocate, um, Cowboys getting their ass kicked at home, questions about Todd Payton already, what's going on at Manly. It's just there's stuff going on everywhere that the footy's kind of like, Oh, yeah, some teams actually played pretty well over the weekend. So I was thinking we, we may as well start with this 18th man topic. So a bit of background information. The 18th man was thrown around in 2019 as a replacement player to cover injuries. Um, the first worry was obviously the gamesmanship of the coaches. How are they going to be able to rort something like that? Because coaches that since the start of time regularly used to be unlimited interchanges and a change and then people would fake injuries you better bring other players on all that sort of stuff but it's got to the point where the nrl is expected to sign off on tuesday when the independent commission meets that they will sign off on an 18th man um, policy however the strings attached to it are basically to stop rorting by the coaches or clubs and they're pretty uh, intense strings we'll say so this comes after this weekend where you had the sharks play the whole second half of their game with 13 so no bench um, because three players failed their hia and one went off with a knee injury you had the raiders play the majority i think from 15 minutes onwards they were playing with 14 and then the roosters were playing with 12 at one stage 12 fit players and um it's pretty hard to win a game. All three of those teams lost. Uh, Raiders literally in the last couple of minutes, but they, they were up 25 to six at halftime, um, but just couldn't hold on because they had they, they just didn't have the legs. So some people are thinking, is this an overreaction to something that's just occurred? Um, I guess you could look at it that way, except for the strings attached are for an 18th man to be able to be utilised by a team on a game day, three players must have failed a HIA. Um, there's even talk that the 18th player may be a development contract player rather than a seasoned, uh, a player that just didn't get picked that week in the on the 17 and they were still in the reserves. So what the NRL is trying to do there is obviously stipulate that you can't just rot it and throw three people out with a HIA if only one's really had one. And you're not going to be able to bring in, say, a Blake Green for Newcastle coming back from injury. Um, when the game's on the line, it'll be a developmental player. That's not set in stone, that one. That's kind of been thrown around. What do you reckon? Well, what are your, what are your thoughts on this one? I... Those, I guess, conditions that are part of it, I don't understand. Why would you get a developmental high 18th man? How is that going to develop their game? Wouldn't you be better off having week in, week out, and reserve grade to actually develop them as a player? So then when they do come into first grade, they're ready to get the ground running. Not at all. I think it might be like, say you're playing on the Sunday, that player's played on the Friday. They've had their game. They're just kind of on there. I think it's more to... Yeah, stop them from bringing you, an yeah, they have that fifth one. To try, yeah. Whereas if the NRL game's on Thursday, they could get named there and then play on the Sunday. 
I don't know. I think they've got to look at. I think they've got to look at it from the more of a HIA point of view. So, how's it work at the moment? Is it an independent doctor that does the assessment, or is it the club doctor? No, it's club doctors at the moment. So that's one See, of the that's, things that that's they're throwing the around. That's the they issue with me doing, too. They should be having an independent doctor. Yes. Assesses both things. Yeah. And if they deem that the person has not passed the HIA, then that's when the ABEC, I reckon. And three. I mean, how often is there three? Like exactly. The Canberra game, there were only two. Like one of the other guys did his ankle. And yes. So that you're telling me that they wouldn't have been able to man. Yeah. So the yeah. AFL man is literally, so the AFL brought it in this year with regards to any injury that the doctor deems unfit for them to return to play. Um, the NRL is doing it solely for HIA purposes. And um, which I'll, I think is fair enough because that's which is fair enough. Yeah. Raw. Yeah, exactly. And if you do, um, and one of the other things that have been thrown around, this is more from like talking heads on panel shows, et cetera. I think it might have even been Gordon Taylor who said this one, um, where if it is a coach or a club trying to roar it, that that play when they come off, they've still got to be in the concussion protocol. So it's a seven or 11 day turnaround, depending on uh, That's right. severity. So regardless if you roar it, that player is not available for selection for the seven day, 11 day period. Um, like in our high school footy, it's a 19-day turnaround regardless of how severe the concussion is. Um, before is the that for training. training or just between games? No, for any games. contact. So that's it in high school. Well, it's rugby our school's in. So if they got injured on a Wednesday night, uh, it would be 19 days from that uh, diagnosis of a concussion before they can do any form of training. So from a couple of points of view, so I'll just throw a couple of quotes out here. Um that were brought up by players. So from Anna, actually, we'll look at Annesley's one to start with. So he's the one who said that this was first talked about in 2019. And I really like this quote from him. It says, you have to look for unintended consequences as well for every decision you make. And the commission has to consider all these factors before you make a decision. Um, it's something that needs to be carefully considered. We need to provide as much information as we can. Basically saying that, oh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, let's put it in, isn't the way to go because they're obviously looking no. at the, the rorting and the games and shit that the clubs might do. Um, but for from the players, I think Cody Walker had a pretty um, decent quote with regards to the adversity that you need to face uh, throughout a season and injuries are part of that. So it can't just be, yeah, a guy's got an ACL, a guy dislocated his shoulder or popped an ankle. That sucks, but... Every team's going to face that at some point in a season or over a couple of seasons, and that's just something you have to deal with. And that's something we, as fans, love to see our clubs get out of. Like, I'm not a I'm not a supporter of Canberra or the Warriors, but watching that game, I was pulling for Canberra because they were down to 14 men. They had the lead. You could see them getting tired, but then Warriors were fighting back. And you're like, can they hold on? Can they hold on? And then they lost in the last minute and a half, and you're like. Oh, if they could have just pulled that off. Um, did it to Canberra last year when Tom Trebojevic got injured and then we lost two others and it was one of our best wins of the season. You remember that as a fan, that adversity you face. And you might be screwed next weekend, but that's next weekend. And it, but it brings the, brings the players together as well. Like yes. You saw Ricky Stewart after the game on mm. uh, Saturday. He was just like, I've never been prouder of that bunch of kids. As much as they're shattered, you can see it as well. Yes, so and it's a it's a 
it's a kind of performance that brings the team together and you know there's a wall you can go from there. But I, I, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know how they can say three players because I reckon if you look back over the years, how many times that's actually, you'd be able to count them on one. Yeah. And I think uh, Stuart's thing was I've got a winning team in there. They didn't get the two points, but that's a winning um, team. And then he basically said, if I want to say the truth about the game, he was referring to the four. <laughs> and we'll get to that. So I've got 20 in over me. If it was going to go to the Ricky Stewart Foundation, um, I, I'd have no saying it. But because I'm not allowed to say it, um, I'm not going to answer any questions. And that's the end and walked out. But I've done my, sorry, I've done my job. I've come out here to talk to you guys and you've got a job to do, but I'm not taking any questions. Um, yeah. Just on the HI, one last thing. I think they missed a trick last year by not trialling this because mm. last year was the year they started trialling all these new rules and you had no reserve grades. So you, had, you would have been able to carry that 18 man to, yep. for these situations and they could have trialled this rule and seen what happened. Like they trialled everything else. I th- well, when you bring out the rules, that's the first thing I thought about. Like looking at the, the spate of injuries in the first three rounds, looking at, I guess you could bring HIAs into it if you're looking at fatigue factor in the tackling technique, that sort of stuff. How much of an impact has the rule changes made leading to injuries? And there's not enough data yet. It's only been three rounds, but um cherry evans is the president of the rugby league player association they're actually the ones who put forward uh the proposal to the 18th man he has no comment for it he, he's basically said oh sorry he had no comment with regards to whether the 18th man should be on um he was then asked about whether the change of rules may have led to this he's like that's something at the end of the season we, we will need to sit down and have a look and see all right is there a correlation between these changes and injury spates and all this sort of stuff? But he wasn't going to get drawn on that, which is a pretty like, thought behind the answer. Wade Graham's against the 18th man. He's a board member. But... Um, and he's coming from a team that played with 13. Yes. On the weekend. And so the only data the NRL have to work with at the moment is the speed of the game after three rounds. The ball's in play 56.2 minutes per game, which is the same as last year's average. Um, my thing to that is, though, 2020 was when we had these, the 60N rule change and that sort of stuff. How much has it changed compared to three years ago, four years ago? Because players aren't able to adapt within a season. Like, that's a huge no. change. Um, they might be able to... Well, it takes, it takes but, the coaches a long time to get their head around it, and then they'll change the, the, the whole structure of how they change. Exactly. And I think it's going to take another two seasons or so before we see... I, I, what am I trying to say? I think a lot of the awesome footy we're seeing at the moment, like one of Canberra's tries where there was a, they were 20 metres out from their own line and they got it down the other end and all that sort of stuff. It was awesome to watch. I think a lot of that's built out of fatigue and then skill. Whereas a lot of the footy we grew up watching because it was such a long spate of the game before any rule changes to score, skill was the main factor over fatigue. And you really saw fatigue have an impact in origin and finals where the intensity mm. went up. Whereas now you're seeing less skilled players make more skilled plays based on the fatigue. And it still leads, I guess, to exciting football. Um, yeah, I don't know. I still think it's got another couple of years before we can really look at, all right, 
players are now up to the speed changes and who knows within two years what changes could have then occurred. Um, yeah, insane, insane that. I don't know if the new rules have really sped the game up, to be honest. I think it's, I guess players are asked to do more back-to-back effort more, but I don't think the game's necessarily sped up. Like this whole kicking into touch and getting a play, well, that's no quicker than having the scrum, the scrum. honestly. That's actually the one that players are speaking out about the most. I think Ronaldo Molotalo said this week, when asked about the speed of the game, he's like, well, the speed maybe hasn't changed that much, but some of them don't really make sense. Like, the ball gets kicked out. Who actually gets the advantage? You're running into a set defensive line instead of a three-on-three. Yeah. I think that's going to be changed pretty quickly. On the weekend, I think I saw two or three tries that came from scrums. Scrums, yeah. one good a, thing about scrums, as ugly as they can be, but it was another form of concession. So yes. you get the odd push against them. And then you'd also, like these set plays, like the Sharks are two or three tries off it this year. Just later they got us with it at the first round. And, it, and you just don't see that anymore. You get, you know, like, what you kick it out. Off the play yeah. like, the only like, upside, I guess, of these changes is with more fatigue, you're getting more drop ball. Well, I don't know, for more, it just seems like more. And scrums that way. That's the only way to get a scrum is from a knock-on or an accidental forward pass. Uh, we'll do rules another time because I was going to, if I had time without those other stuff, stop. I want to actually check in and see how the new rules are going and what's actually happening. Freddie uh, Walker's one was also thinking, 18th man, could you use that with regards to someone being forced out through foul play? And then NRL used the Kafusi example from last week against Ryan Madison. And I'm like, to me, that's not a... A square up a fence to me it'd be like if a guy did a swinging arm kind of steve maddow and mark gaznia first like a second sort of thing that well, what do you think foul play, foul play foul, foul that's play exactly it where's the penalizable yeah where's the gray line so i don't think you can really i know what he's I think, yeah you're like king hits someone well, you're, you're, already a, and, you're already get a free you already get a free interchange for you if the injury is off the back of so for that one, for example, when Kafusi Madison now, that would have been a free interchange. Was it? But anyway, he went off for HIA, so it's a yeah, true. Actually, you can use yeah. it that way. Anyway, so oh no, to me, I'm I'm for it if it's if it's three HIAs, if that's the shtick to get 18th man and. I know the coaches want to win, but it's going to take a pretty hardcore dude to be like, oh, you go out there and fake a concussion so I can get an extra interchange. Like, that's literally what the conversation's going yeah. to have to be. And you're going to, you literally, to get one person, you're going to three people out of your seat. Yeah, I don't see that happening. going to rot that. And I, I reckon, like, there was an example this week in the ice hockey where a, an official got caught on the live mic saying, I gave away that penalty basically to even up the calls because one team had more yep. penalties. And everyone knows in ice hockey that if one team's got three penalties in a row, you know the next penalty is going to go to the other team because they even things up. That's just what they do. Mm. Can you imagine a coach being called on mic saying, go out there, fake a concussion so I can get yeah. – or, or, or radio and down, I need a HIA so we can get so-and-so on. There's 10 minutes to go. He's fresh and we've got nothing else on the bench. Like – Yeah. Much longer you'd be able to keep your job if you're putting players in that. No. All right. Oh yeah, sorry. You for for against you reckon, or or we need more. Um, I'm I'm for the 18th man. <coughs> <Pardon me>. Um, 
if they've got the right rules around it, I think it's. I don't know if they if they come out and, and add that it has to be a development player and it has to be three HIAs like come into effect. It's like the twenty forty oh. waste. No, oh, yeah, it's just that, no, yeah, that no one's ever gonna. Think. I think um, Jared did message in saying uh, the. Uh, for me, I don't agree with the 18th man. I was like, do you want to stop round four preview? And he's like, no, nah, it needs to happen now. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> so Jerry can explain himself next next time. Um, so yeah. the big thing that's come out is Jason Tumlal has been injured and I believe his manager actually started this by contacting Paul Green, the new Maroons coach, about um, his client, as in Tamalolo's ambition to play uh, State of Origin. Now, this obviously raises the eligibility concerns and policies and all that sort of stuff around it. And I think it was on NRL 360, a mate, um, Tommy Bevett, messaged me saying that watched NRL 360 and they were throwing the stats around with regards to the heritage of players and how it's changed over time. So when State of Origin started in 1980, it was 5% of players were of Polynesian descent. Um, as of 2021, 71% of NRL players are either born outside Australia or have parents or grandparents who were. And 7 out of 10 players, basically, and 50 percent of the NRL population are of Pacific Islander heritage. Now, why Tamalolo's name was brought up is he made the famous decision a couple of years ago to play for Tonga over New Zealand. And the stipulations are being thrown around by Wayne Pierce, who's doing a review of the eligibility criteria, and his review will be released or announced after the World Cup at the end of this year. So no changes will be for for this year to be for 2022 onwards, if any do change, would be the criteria player must have been living in as in New South Wales or Queensland. So their permanent residence or their main residence has to be in New South Wales or Queensland before the age of 13. So that's one stipulation. And um, the player not have, well, as it stands, sorry, the player cannot have played for a tier one nation. So New Zealand or England. England. Um, if they want to play State of Origin. That's how it is right now. And that's why players like Adam Fanua Blake, uh, Jason Lolo can't play Origin because they played for New Zealand before they decided to defect, or not defect, but change their uh, allegiance, I guess, and play for Tonga. So... That's the that's the criteria they're they're looking at changing. So another example of someone like Kieran Foran, who was living in New South Wales before the age of 13, um, played all his footy in New South Wales growing up, but he was born in New Zealand and always had an affinity for New Zealand as a Kiwi. So he said the decision for him was easy. He went to New Zealand where he was born despite the fact that he'd grown up most of his life in Australia and New South Wales and would be eligible for New South Wales if he'd chosen to play for them. Um, other players on this, I'm just bringing it up uh, here. Sorry, I keep turning to my left for anyone on the YouTube one, but there are so many different windows open at the moment. Uh, I think Dallin Wateni Zalesniak was another one that's coming to my head. Here we go. Jason Tamalolo, Dallin Wateni Zalesniak, Brandon Smith, Jerome Hughes, Brighton Acora. Um, could all put their hands up for Blues or Maroons selection. Um, 
if they hadn't played for New Zealand, if they'd played for Tonga or Samoa, et cetera, they'd still be eligible because they've grown the majority of their life up here in Australia. Hmm. The other part of this is ratings for state of origin have been dropping every year since 2017. So I went back and checked that 2020, we knew it was gonna be a bit different because it was the end of the season or mid season when everyone's used to it being. But yeah, from 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, ratings have been dropping every year for state of origin. Is that because so many of the supporters of rugby league and NRL are of Polynesian uh, descent or heritage and they don't see any of their players in it? So why watch it? Or um, are there other reasons around it? I think you look at it, it probably comes down to who has left in that period of time too. Like you look at some of the Queensland players that are time in, in Great point. 2017. What you got, you lost Smith, you lost Cronk, you lost Thurston, you lost Slater, you lost Ingram. Five key. Oh, no, no, yeah, Flowers way before key, that. Sorry. Yeah, but five key players of the Queen. And mm-hmm. then Freddie came in and blooded his rookies. So I guess there weren't as many big names what there had been. And, but I don't know. Like I, I don't see how this is going to bring more people to watching the game, how seeing people that really their true allegiance isn't in central New South Wales. If it was, they would have declared themselves Australian when they first started. See, the, the thing was like, because my mate asked me, what's your opinion on it? And I was like, I find it, I can only speak from my personal experience. And where we grew up on uh, sunny coasts and that sort of stuff, all through high school footy, uh, league and union, all through club footy, league and union, I can remember one Polynesian player I played with. And I played for, I don't know, 12-ish years between the two the two codes. And when I watched Origin, um, it was state versus state, mate versus mate. It was, like, I know uh, Tony Carroll played for Queensland and New Zealand. Um, Brad Thorne played for Queensland, played for New Zealand, but that was in rugby union. And, and, and I knew that. It was Tony Carroll that really had the rule changed, wasn't it? That was yeah. That whole thing, how he played for New Zealand and then came back and played for Queensland and Australia's career. Yeah, exactly. And the only other controversy when it came to eligibility was like Greg Inglis. And so I, I, I found going, oh, I can't really speak for those of Polynesian descent and, and their passion for it. Because you look at someone like Tamalolo, he played for Queensland all through junior, all the way up to under 18s. He played for Queensland in all representative sides. But as soon as he turned pro, he's mm-hmm. going to represent the same state that he's playing for that whole time. So he's like, well, I can't play for Queensland. Oh, means I can't play for Australia. I'll play for New Zealand because he's got heritage there. And then he decided to play for Tonga. Tonga's a tier two nation. Tier two nation players can play for state of origin. You can play tier two mm. and represent a tier one nation uh, in a two year period. But because he played for New Zealand for that short stint, he's now wiped out of state of origin for ever, pretty much from, from here forward. And it, that's the crux of the issue, I think, because I can't speak on the passion they have for Queensland. Um, because he played for New Zealand in 2014. So we're running up on, what, eight years basically ago. 
uh, that he played for. But he, he would have been, he would have played for them for four or five years though. Yeah, sorry, yeah, 2017 um, World Cup after that. So Adam Fanua Blake's another one. Um, Andrew Fafita's another one, but he's played. Yeah, he's played. Fafita already played for Australia. That's right. Yeah, but the the, uh, the difference between Fafita and Fanua Blake is Fafita declared his first. Yeah, the start. Australia. Exactly. And if he's not selected for that, that's when they fall to the tier countries, and I think that's how it should be. Yeah. See, I, I don't. I, I'm. I I'm of I that. Agree. Otherwise, it's just going to turn into an all. Like, yeah, like, you know, we used to have the Indigenous All Stars versus the World All Stars, and no one got behind that because no. like, it was just a fucking. It's just gonna, it's just gonna take away from the the aura that's there. Like, and I think I can't remember who it was that said it, but someone said, "Tamalolo getting picked for Queensland is wrong because it's gonna, it's gonna prevent someone who's passionate playing for Queensland who's grown up their entire life wanting to play for. It's gonna stop them from playing." But what if Tamalolo is that person? Well, I don't know. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure he knew when he declined, as when he came through, that he was never going to play State of Origin. He was, he's already made that decision. If he, he can't just, you can't just change your mind eight years into your career. I don't. I don't know. I don't think it's the. I don't think he chose New Zealand over. Um, Queensland. I think he chose New Zealand over Tonga at that point. But yeah, but then whatever it was, when that whole Tongan revolution—that's the thing. Whether it was the whole Tongan revolution and all that sort of stuff, and he defected and made Tonga what it is. Like Tonga's beaten New Zealand, Australia, and England now. Like they're mm. as strong as a they, they should be. They should be a tier one group. Yeah. Um. I, I think that when you're talking about that All Star game, that makes it the best versus the best basically, and people are thinking state of origin around that it's the best versus the best. It's not. It's the best no. that state of origin has. Oh, sorry, it's the best yeah. that rugby league has. But it's not the best versus the best players. And this is where I think arguments by um, Wayne Pierce, who's doing this, is we want the best players playing origin. I was like, no, no you don't need the best player no. origin. Um Yes, it's a coincidence that a lot of the best players in the league play state of origin because if they're from New South Wales or Queensland and they're the best players, they'll get picked. And then the Australian side's generally picked on the back of state of origin. However, you look at the 2006 Maroons, you look at last year's Maroons, um, look at some of the New South Wales teams where you've got players who, look at your Kirk Cattell, um, he still was coming off the bench for Penrith last year. Yeah, he was coming back from injury, et cetera. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him coming off the bench for Penrith later this year, depending on how players like Liam Martin play or whatever. Mm. It's not the best versus the best. It's state versus state. And you pick which players you think will best represent your state. They don't have to be players. And that's where this argument about we should have the best players by an origin, that's bullshit. You want the best context. Best contest, that doesn't necessarily mean the best players. Yeah. That makes sense. So, yeah, I, I think I still lean on the – there's so many things in the world now being changed to ensure inclusion for everybody. And that's a good thing in 90% of the cases. But you need to foster competition and you need to foster – what's the word for Not elitism, but there needs to be – 
sections where, you know what, if you don't fit this criteria, you, I'm sorry, you can't participate. Because growing up, there's only a certain age you can get a participation award and everyone feels happy about it. And that's like, hey, you're not giving out a participation award to everyone in the under 16 rep side. It's you got selected for the next round. You didn't work on this and you yeah. back. It's not, well done, here's the certificate. Well done, everyone's included. If you do that at foster competition or, or, or evolution, it, 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 like you said, it takes away the aura. It takes away that I get to participate in this because I'm one of the few people that meet this selection criteria. Yeah, the, the question is, right, so Taumalolo, the reason he wants to play State of Origin is because it's, like, it's, it's the pinnacle of the if it wasn't the pinnacle of the game, like if it's the pinnacle of the game, why do we need to change the rules? If we've got people who don't meet the current criteria, like fuck, I wish I could play in the state of origin, then that's a good thing. That means that people coming through who do meet the, we, I was, I lived in Queensland from Asian background. I want to grow up and play for Queensland. Like mm. that's going to come into effect down the track. Making these rules that just, just shortcut the entire process isn't going to fix anything. It's going to destroy the international And yeah, and that just finally started making ground an international game. I think the issue is when we play Origin, there needs to be more for Samoa. So then they've got, they can then represent their culture, their, what well, their, it's essentially their state of Origin, isn't it? Like well, that's where they grew up, that's where their family's background. You'd like to think that'd be the case, but then you've got the head of the IRL basically saying that they'd welcome any of the, the players playing State of Origin because then it's going to be a greater worldwide spectacle saying that players from here, there and wherever are in a part of this. And also after this World Cup, that mid-year test match period is going to be gone and, and be put back to mm-hmm. the year again as it was. So, which yeah. I think, because I, I really like that State of Origin period where you had State of Origin on the the Sunday or the Wednesday, and then you had the Pacific tests on the weekend. I thought it was brilliant, but they're going to push it back mm-hmm. till the end of the... But can, can you, so you, we watched Tonga play against Australia, against Zealand, and mm-hmm. they had the seat red, right? They're so passionate about their players and their... You can't tell me that they'll be... Like, if they wanted to be a, more of a worldwide spectacle, you can't tell me they'll have the same passion seeing for Queensland. I don't, I don't see how that's going to help grow. I don't get it. So that's the part where I don't know if I can really have an opinion because I don't, I'm not from a, a background where I'm split between the state that I live in, but the country that um, my heritage is from. Like, like if I'll go back generations and generations to the first fleet, my family comes from Scotland, but I feel no tie to Scotland because that heritage isn't, wasn't carried through, wasn't supported, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If my background yeah. was I grew up with mum and dad and dad was an hey, laddie, like, friggin' whatever, this is where our family comes from. We live here, but this is really important to our family as well. Yeah, by the time I'm 16, I'm like, well, I love Australia, but I really love the aspects of Scotland. I really want to represent that. Mm. Like, well, I want to play for... Queensland because I grew up here but this is really important to me as well and I want to show my passion for this I didn't grow up like that but I could see the confliction of 
of interest that some of these kids and now adults, I guess, um, could have. But I don't know. My, my, my final reply back to my mate was, I've grown up in awe of the All Blacks and the Haka. I, even when I knew we were probably going to lose, I would get to the pre-match just to watch the Haka that the Kiwis would do. Mm. And I'd go... I think even me, mate, I'm not even a Union fan. I always loved the Union. Yes. And then the New Zealand and then the Rugby League team was doing the same. But I'm, I was watching the passion and the, the faces that they make going, man, how awesome would it be to be part of that? How awesome would it be to be part of a culture like that? But then the other side of it is like, I don't meet the... Uh, criteria is probably the wrong word here because we're talking more about racial things and and culture rather than eligibility but I was like it's awesome I love what I would have loved to know what that feels like but I will never do it because I wasn't born there I'm not part of that culture that sort of stuff to me it's an elite thing that I'll never I know I'll never be able to be part of there's a part of me that wishes that I'd had some form of experience like that yeah and to me this is kind of like closest thing I could relate to what these players may feel like for state of origin. Like it's so awesome. I love watching. I love all this, but I've got to accept that I won't be part of it. Mm. So that, that's yeah. a thing I could draw to, but anyway, um, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. That were pretty much the two big topics. We did enough justice and didn't overstep the line. If you agree or disagree, hit us up. Um, all right. So COVID's hit Brisbane. So the Brisbane Broncos have had to relocate to South Wales at this stage. Um, Brisbane's in a 14-day quarantine, which started at 5 p.m. Um, tonight, actually, or today. So the NRL in Brisbane will seek further advice from the Victorian government after it declared the Queensland capital red zone as 50 Broncos players and stuff hit the road for at least the next fortnight. So after the Brisbane's road trip, whether they have to quarantine coming back to Queensland, that'll all obviously still need to be announced. Um, they flew to Sydney to relocate on a chartered flight at 4 p.m. while they'll prepare for Friday's grudge match with the Storm. Um, the clash at Amy Park should go ahead. However, the protocols around the Broncos coming back into Queensland um, are going to be interesting depending on how this lockdown of Brisbane goes and obviously the COVID protocols Queensland-wide. They're already looking ahead. The prospect of shifting the match to Sydney as part of a Good Friday doubleheader at Stadium Australia has also been discussed. So keep an eye out for that, Melbourne and Broncos fans. Um, yeah, it, it's still one of those things that's in limbo. This is one of the things where the decisions have been made on the run. I wouldn't be opposed to a doubleheader Good Friday match in Sydney, considering the other games, Bulldogs, Rabbitohs, which will probably be a non-contest based on what we've seen the last couple of weeks. Um, well, I'm not sure the Storm Broncos will be any better. True, but at least we'll see the Rabbitohs in the same night, <laughs> if that's what we're thinking. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, this kind of come out of nowhere. It, it, we heard that a doctor had, uh, what was I say, sustained COVID. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm saying, there we go. Um, COVID, and this has moved pretty quickly, so... At the stay at this stage, the Titans and the Cowboys aren't affected. Um, it's pretty much Brisbane that's in lockdown, so we'll keep abreast of that one. Um, how long are we going for? Oh, geez. So, 
I don't know. I might keep these ones. I don't know whether I keep these ones for, for later in the week, but um, yeah, I probably will with that one. All right. The NRL has announced by Graham Annesley that Ford Pass technology trial is not far off. So it's pretty big news, uh, especially out of this weekend where you had a Ford Pass lead to a try in the Warriors Canberra game, um, which can, uh, Warriors ended up winning um, by three points. So it was a pretty big error and it was a quite obvious forward pass and Henry, Henry Perinara actually stopped in line with the pass and still allowed to go forward. And then in the Bulldogs Broncos try uh, game, Adam Elliott made a break and double pumped and passed only about a metre and a half forward to Kyle Flanagan, who I guess fortunately for the NRL dropped it because no forward pass was called on the play. So basically what Graham Manley said is it could be tested in training sessions sometime this year. So it still feels as though not far off, it's still actually a way off. It'd be interesting to see how this goes because I know people at home have tried doing this, but basically you need cameras the whole way along the field, wouldn't you, to be able to get a full in-line uh, decision. Yeah. That's a lot of money. About, they've been talking about this for so long, about oh, forward pass technology and so close to it. I don't know. It's been going on for the last couple of years. What do they reckon? They reckon it's going to be, it's going to identify whether it comes forward or backwards. That that's, that's going to have to be the thing. Yeah, yeah. Then so I was I thinking, like, oh, could you put a GPS in the ball? But then, even if it tracks forward, if it comes backwards out of the hand, but it's a strong breeze, like, is that going to show it? Is it going to affect the weight of the ball? Um, would it? Yeah, that's another thing. Would it be uh, more likely to be shifted after a kick, all that sort of stuff? Um, he basically said, if we get point we're convinced that technology is accurate it becomes a business case that we have to admit to the nrl commission to justify the expenditure and the benefit that will flow and the commission has to approve it so this sort of technology that's what it that's what it comes down to that's yes. like if, it, if it's good it's good enough and it's accurate then i'll consist to that no it's got to be accurate it's got to be consistent and it's literally got to be faultless it's got to be it's also got to be fast because yes is it only going to be on plays that get reviewed the tries or is it going to be picked up on every single throughout the game? True. I'll tell you what, there'll be someone up top saying, oh, that was a forward pass. And you're like... Yeah, whether there's a sensor that goes off in the third, uh, up in the DRF's box or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it could be. Fuck, um, that'd be intense. I'll tell you what, there's, I'm more concerned about the forward pass in, in general play, not even the ones uh, leading to tries. Like, I think it was the, I think it was the Parramatta Melbourne game round two, there would have been at least 20 passes. Oh, by the storm, game. yeah. Yeah, and even Paramount had a few. Like, there's, and there's nothing. It's just eyes painted. But yeah, I think like I, I think it's one thing that frustrates everyone. Is, is yes. Passes that... so, and I, I, but I look at it sometimes like if it's in that sort of situation, it goes both ways, I guess, over a whole game. Like you can never really... Someone would have to go back and literally track the data of how many occur both ways. I think the the try ones is where it would start because they're the highlighted ones. You look at Manly Paramount. That's right. Warriors Canberra over the weekend. If Flanagan had held on to it, Broncos Bulldogs ones. Yeah, they're, they're the ones I think. It, that doesn't take into account why there's a forward pass. They make a 40-meter break and then score for the next play. Yeah, That's true. not getting picked up. No. 
That's the thing. And I it think was... a lot of the time, a lot of the time as a footy fan, when you are put up on a forward poser, oh, you're kidding me. There's been 20 or five or 10 other forward passes out of this game. That haven't been called. When we're, when, and that's what it comes down to. It's the, oh, that wasn't a forward pass. It was, well, how about the other ones? That you yeah. And, 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 yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about this actually over the weekend saying, is there now too many rules that the most basic ones are being looked over like there was meant to be changes this year if you don't make an attempt to play the ball and i didn't watch a hell this weekend but there's been like 15 20 change over wow two were in the same game there's two in the dragons game i probably told about it saying look out for this that was a round one yeah, that was in round one. They called it for one, and I was blowing up. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, the Sharks are the biggest offenders for it. Then in the next set, they obviously realised, and then Aaron yeah. stepped over one and got called for this. And then I think I saw one, might have been the West versus game last week or something like that. Yeah. So that, that, that you've seen three. I've seen none based on the games that I've watched. And you've seen like at least 20, 25, 30 occur. And you're like, well. Oh, yeah. And for this game, you're looking for other get, things. Don't even get me. Don't even get me started on ones where sidelines were playing the ball. See, yeah, off the mark, and they they literally step forward into the side of where they were tackled, which then puts the marker out of play, and then they'll. Like, it, the same See, thing it happens every year, though. Like they, they is, say we're going to knuckle down, thing, and then and then they um, don't. This becomes, or if, yeah. if they do knuckle down, and it, it all just gets forgotten about. And it's, That's what I mean. There's just so many things that rest now have to consider and think about. Like in the play, I don't honestly don't care if they play it messy. Like if they put it on the ground, it's fine, and then they kick it a meter and a half backwards. It's a, hmm. Just put the attacking team at a disadvantage. I don't care if they step to the side and play it because the defensive line doesn't have to drop back. Um, as long as the markers don't call for being offside, right. I'm fine with that. If they play it sideways, again, it's putting the attacking team at a disadvantage. I don't care. But this one, like, if you step over the ball without actually having the attempt to play with your foot, it makes the play the ball quicker, which puts the defense at a disadvantage. That's mm-hmm. what I hate about it. So, Anderson's come out and admitted the um, game was wrong. And what did he say? Um, we put our hand up on this one. Don't know how that's. Stuart in the Canberra supporters field. Yeah. Yeah, we fucked up. Um, sorry about that, guys. But anyway, um, this has been the longest off the rut category. Um, the last one is signings news. Uh, Ava Sifuma, uh, Ava Suamanafango upgraded to Canberra's top 30 squad. Um, and that's pretty much it. Good on you, buddy. And that's the end of... Off the rock, we'll come back with hard hits before we get into games analysis. So All right. A a... Yeah, there he is. Got a bit of a roll. So I got, I got Wally with the, uh, the quick recording there. Don't worry, Jared doesn't... You got me last one, too. Okay. <laughs> it's been a week and a half. So we'll go with the suspensions first. So hard hits is teams that have been hit hard with injuries or suspensions. So Dragon Center Jack Bird has accepted a one-match suspension for a contrary conduct charge. Uh, for stamping, <laughs> that's the right word. Uh, incident with Moses Suli um, on Friday night. Was that the one where he like stood on his ankle in that tackle? Yeah, after hitting him high. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny, when I first saw it, I'm like, 
how did he get charged for that? Then I actually watched the replay and they showed the back view and when he actually stamped his ankle and I'm like, he's lucky he's getting the week. Yeah, I thought that was more than a week. He's playing good footy. Yeah, so uh, I guess the only thing Manly got out of that game. (laughs) (laughs) Brighton Acora's accepted a two-match ban after he was found to have used a shoulder charge on Eels fullback Clint Gutherson. He would have been out for three weeks if he unsuccessfully challenged. Bulldogs captain Josh Jackson will be out this uh, will be out this weekend after being charged over a crusher tackle on Alex Glenn. Um, I thought that was a bit soft. I saw that one live. There was no intent there. It was just how the tackle fell. I kind of I get it, but I'm just um... the the ruling around crushes is so hit and sleet. There was one from Isaac Liu against West and round thing. Yeah, this is blatant. He he had him. Obviously, the person who backed up into him, he held him and then lifted up and then went down on him. Didn't get penalised. Oh, no, so he might have got penalised. Didn't get put on the... And then you see ones like this where there's... This is part of the tackle, this one. Yeah, yeah minimal movement. Contact. Oh, yeah, I think that's... I agree with you. It's it's all like... It should be... I guess you can't... I don't know. If you made it black and white, it's going to be a hell of a lot more consistent. But and you'll have more people staying down. Yes, that's the thing. Yeah. And it's just uh, ridiculous. Um, this one, Daniel Fafida. How did he only get two weeks for that? No, he's only getting one because he's taking Too hard. It. Oh, that is bullshit. It's a joke. Sorry. So this, this is exactly it. Like, this was all retaliation from State Origin last year where Jairo picked up James Tedesco, not knowing that was concussed, picked him up and dropped him. We talked about that. Even Jared um, supported Jai Arrow in that. There's no way he knew that. To just well, he immediately called him away. He called the trainer. He was down next to him looking after him. And then there was talk this week that Rooster still went over it. And Trent Robinson said, I can't um, stop players from making the decision in the heat of the moment or whatever it was, adding fuel to the fire. Like, that's a dumb shit call by a coach. And then you don't see on the, very often. Yeah. And Jair is on the ground facing down and Fafita punches him in the back of the head and gets a yeah, that's not a, is that that's ten times like, worse than what happened with Kafusi and Madison. That's way worse. Oh yeah. That, that was, was a planned that was, punch in the back of the head. head. Right. Yes. And that's so do the Parramatta fans blowing up about Kafusi being a thug or whatever and being shifted in a tackle by the movement of another player. You've got it on the ground getting punched in the back of the head gets a week. Like yeah, just on that, on that Kafusi, I don't think he's a thug, but I think he was like... So you're on the thing he should have got more? I think he should have got bin. Really? Wow. Yeah. He should have at least got bin and I think he was lucky to get less than four weeks. But anyway, wow. Topic. See, to me, that wasn't planned at all. This was just, hey, look, you're on the green defence. Let me punch you in the back of the head. If it was a decent oh, player no, with a big but, name, he should have got, he would have got. That's right. That is a yeah, bench at this stage. Um, Alex Twall's facing a fine after being issued a contrary conduct charge. So, Twally, put your hand in the lucky dip. We'll see how much of a fine you get. Uh, Tony and Panther says Stephen Cryan were also fine, so you guys can just share it around. Um, fuck, a week. Jesus. Reese's get over it. Um, 
Anyway, casualty ward. Now this is a big one. Luke Keary and Lachlan Lamb, ouch. Keary's suffered an ACL injury and the club's consulting specialist to determine the best course of treatment right after I put in my fantasy side, but also sucks. <laughs> Him as a player in his club. Lamb has a moderate MCL injury and his recovery time has estimated six weeks. So Roosters may have lost both their starting halves in one game. Roosters coach said Log Victor Radley will return, um, but prop Lindsay Collins is in doubt after picking up an angle injury to go with the concussion. Man, he was out. Uh, God, you see the shot Keon Colomitung you put on him? Fuck, that was such a good hit. I don't know if I saw the shot. I saw Collins. Not the concussion the shot. Yeah, yeah, not that one. Oh. About two or three minutes earlier, he was doing a hit up and Keon Colomitung smacked him in under the ribs, just popped the ball out. It was just like, Uh, Sam Verrills is also not ready to return from ACL injury Uh, Matt Lodge has been cleared to return for the Broncos Uh, Jeremy Marshall King after starting at hooker for the first time this year will now miss another eight weeks after breaking his foot he was out with a foot injury to start with wasn't he I think yes he had a he had a low grade Liz Frank injury after the all-stars match yes Mm. Tom Ison who suffered rib cartilage damage against the Panthers he got shot in the ribs. Um, his ribs were exposed and he got shot in the ribs. And people were calling out for him in a dog shot. I'm like, it's just our it's whole life ship, isn't it? Yeah, if you see ribs, you hit him in the ribs because it's going to fucking hurt. It's a contact yeah. sport. Um, as a half, you, you're taught that, not that I was ever a half, but halves are taught <laughs> take the ball to the line, pass, and then go limps. If you tense up, it's going to hurt of a hell of a lot more. And also when you're doing a wrap, you never turn your whole body around, you're exposing and you're going to get shotted. You just know it's going to happen at some point. Um, so no, it wasn't, it was just a, it wasn't a clean shot. It's not a bad shot either. It's probably the same people calling Kafuzi. Yeah, probably. Branko's Lee's comeback from calf injury was, oh yeah, thwarted by COVID. I was like, what? I was scheduled to play minutes for Brisbane Tigers um, but wasn't able to do that but after flying Brisbane for the game here the Tigers had to come straight back to Melbourne so Raiders lost four Joe Tarpany Sebastian Chris and Ryan James both concussions and Joe Tarpany an ankle jeez Tarpany's waiting scans as is Senator Curtis Scott is suspected to have a broken rib but played out the match Harley mm-hmm. Fields who may have come into contention to replace Scott is in for a long stand on the sidelines after suspected biceps rupture in the New South Wales Cup, Sharks winger Sandy Katoa suffered us with a suspected MCL injury. Now I'm looking at four to six weeks out. Cronulla also lost Wade Graham, Brighton Akora, Will Kennedy, the failed HIAs, while Parramatta halfback Mitch Moses also failed a HIA. They must all pass concussion protocols. Ben Hunt suffered an impact fracture to his fibula. He played for 71 minutes for the Dragons with a broken leg. Um, after initially being diagnosed with a cork. Mm, that's a bad cork. That's a bad cork. Scans have confirmed fullback uh, Dylan Edwards for Penrith has suffered a broken hand. Dylan Edwards injured, no way. Uh, it's not his <laughs> sign. He'll be out for a month. Oh, they should be able to put Caleb Aitkins in. Oh, wait, he went to Canberra. Uh, Brent Nade and Robert Jennings serving New South Wales Cup suspensions. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> 
Ivan Cleary's got to find a back line. Josh Mansour could be oh, no, he's at the Rabbits. Uh, um, Cowboys playmaker, Michael Morgan. This is just getting thrown under the rug almost. He may be having to retire based off his chronic shoulder injury. He missed the clash with Gold Coast. Hopeful return in round that, four. I'll believe that one. I'd see it. Like, they, they how, well, how many weeks has he missed in the last two years? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's so many people that just jump to the conclusion I'm tired. They've said no, this came out of the this came out of the Cowboys as one of the that's why they're getting an, opinions. Well they they said they said it's a possible part, but they said they're gonna talk about the best rehabilitation process yeah. for Michael. I, I, I just think that it's just journal worst case thing. That's what yeah that's what we're hoping and putting it in a title. Because they did the same thing with Doug. I remember listening to Doug on uh, Dan and Kemp's post and he was saying, um, you know, the rumour was going around when he was trying to get medically retired and he said he went to one doctor and the doctor, if we do this surgery, it'll be that, like, your yeah. career will be over. I don't want that. So he, then he went to other doctors to see what he could explore to get yeah. back in the park. And then he was saying, it's going in the media, oh, he's going to all the doctors trying to get fucking joke. Yeah, okay. That's what I'm hoping. Because can you can you think like from 2015 Cowboys win the grand final? Like what's happened to Michael Morgan since then? Well, he took him to the grand final in 2017, but other than that, it's just yeah. I don't know he's just full. So far. Um, yeah. Uh, Ryan Madison's expected to return, and. Bryce Cartwright may return from a broken jaw. So I guess the only upside I see out of all that is Manly wasn't in the injuries for once, but <laughs> didn't help us. You've got, a, you've got a week of training first. Yeah, we've got a week of training, that's true. So that's one of the biggest, like injuries are just mounting so quickly this season. Um, you're going to have to jump on your club website just to keep on top of things. Uh, we covered all of them very briefly. But some pretty big ones in there, so Roosters especially, uh, Dragons, considering how well Ben Hunt started the year. Um, kind of two minor ones for the Storm, but they're needing as many people on deck as possible. Raiders hit pretty hard. Sharks hit pretty hard. Uh, Penrith hit pretty hard. So make sure you yeah check out your own club's websites to get more detailed updates on those injuries. Wow. Hard hits done. That was another big one. We'll be back with the game analysis from round three. Uh, fair few, I guess, surprises. I'm not going to say upsets, but surprises. Um, and then some pretty close games as well. All right. So with everything else going on, there was actually still eight games played over the weekend. And if you think back to Thursday night, we had the grand final rematch. Penrith versus Storm. And just to paint a picture, Penrith were without Apside Coruscant and Nathan Cleary. Uh, Storm were without Ryan Pappenhausen and Felice Kafusi. And Jared and I both predicted that the loss of Coruscant and Cleary would be worse for Penrith than the losses of Kafusi and Pappenhausen for the Storm. We were proved incorrect and we were treated to a damn good game. Um, what will be remembered out of this will be the Viliami kick-out effort, uh, the last set of the game for Storm, where he stayed down to milk a penalty 
uh, because miracle recovery. Tui, miracle recovery. Uh, Tui Kamikamika ran through the line and took him out, uh, bumped into him. like, And then ball played on. You see kick out, look up, saw the ball still in play, got up, sprinted over, and it was actually his arm that held up Justin Olam over the line. I think one of the <laughs> reporters said, that's the effort that coaches should teach all the kids about, like what kick out did. And the first comment was, what? dive to get a penalty or <laughs> should we leave that bit out um i don't know the, the thing leading up to in my opinion the game shouldn't have even got to that point um there was a video review where remy smith and penrith winger uh, or stones stones uh, went up for the ball uh, there was a Penrith knock-on in the contest and a Penrith player in front got the ball. This is from the uh, the short drop it, uh, the short kickoff. Short kickoff, yeah. And it should have been a penalty to Melbourne for accidental offside. However, it ended up being a knock-on call. Melbourne got the scrum, uh, but Bellamy was going in lit. <laughs> the press box and it should have been it was an accidental offside it should have been a penalty to Melbourne and that would have put them up by two uh sorry do you, do you two points do you back Munster to get from there though that was it was what just sorry I should have said he had the chance to kick for another two points yeah. regardless even it if he missed 30, 35 to 40 meters down yeah but even if he'd missed Munster can kick that distance like regardless like if he got Obviously, they were up two points. If he missed, it would have been Tom off the clock plus another kick from Penrith out to the Storm. Um, mm. And considering the Storm, uh, Penrith ended up scoring their last try in the 78th minute, there may not have been time for that anyway, regardless if he'd got the, the goal in or not. That kind of all got overshadowed by the, the heroics at the end of um, the Penrith defence, in particular kick out. But, man, so many memes came out after that of Josh Adokar just on the sideline, no one around him, one of the best finishers in the game, hands up like oh, this. Mate. Why Justin Olin didn't pass that ball, I, I, I just won't know. And you can't say that specific moment cost them the win, but you can also say that if he'd passed the ball, they most likely would have won because Adokar had no around him he just would have had to catch it run a couple of meters and put it down especially after Adokar's first 20 didn't have much room to quit but he just yes. pace and just burnt staining oh and then um, but stains also caught Adokar on another break uh, on another break and I think people are going well Adokar just got ran down from behind basically and that was that was a pretty interesting foot race. I swear Adekar runs faster without the ball, but that also makes sense because you're trying to catch somebody. Penrith ended up winning this one 12-10, um, based literally off two conversions to one. It was a damn good game to watch. Oh, I hate the fact um, that, in my opinion, a ref's missed call. Even after going to the video ref, uh, I thought they, there's no way they could have missed that. The commentators are a bit confused as well. But they Especially threw up a it, more. Sorry, yeah. By the bunker, it was yeah. reviewed by the bunker too. And they so said knock on. It, yeah, it was not only missed by the on-field 
which you can understand and it's like that but and that's why it went, it was a, oh sorry it was a captain's challenge that's why it went up to start with yeah because Penrith were trying to overturn the knock-on decision and almost ended mm. up with a penalty again yeah so that, like from the, and it should have been from the first um replay you're like oh well it's Penrith had touched that and it's been picked up maybe that's a blatant penalty they had six or seven looks at it if just yeah just turned a blind eye to it i yeah, I, I felt for it, and anyway, it, it was a damn good game overall. Um, the fans were absolutely loving it. Uh, possession and completion rate for Storm still below what you'd be expecting at seventy six percent. But if you look through all the stats, there's very little to separate the teams. Uh, the first stat, I guess, that's different is Penrith had eleven more tackle breaks, but offloads were similar, receipts, passes. Um, it, it's very hard to find any differences in this game. Effective tackle, 3% advantage, I guess, to Penrith. A huge number of missed tackles again by the Storm. I guess it's something they're going mm-hmm. to keep working on. And that's, and that's what cost them, that, that uh, Kurt Capewell try. Oh, he yeah. Three, three or four one-on-one misses. He, he, um, how he scored that, I'm so glad he plays for Queensland because he did something similar in Origin last year, but he, he's one of those slippery guys that finds a way to get out of tackles. But the, the people that were missing the tackle, a couple play, players that would he be in the Jesse team, Bromwich was one. Yeah, but then you had a, there was uh, that Chris. Um, there was another bench player, I think. I'm going to say it's Tyson maybe, Smoothie, maybe, just because yeah, he missed one last week. I think Brandon's Brandon's have been one, but they're players that aren't used to being in that. Or in Brandon Smith's case, being that fatigued late and making these last ditched efforts, and they've. they've haven't had to do that in the past because they've, because they've lost a couple of bench players this year and they've had a couple in now. It's just... They've been found out a little bit? A little bit, yes. Like, I'm not putting a line through them at all, but it's just key moments of the game. The same thing happened in the Parramatta game, but that Tyson got... Oh, he just got rolled by Polo. Bloody hell. Yeah, and then gave away a six again, made an error with the ball, and then got run over by Polo. Yeah. And then that's what ended up costing him. And... I think Jared and I were talking about round one, how good the Storm looked, and they did. Like, they were blitzing um, South Sydney. We also said South Sydney played well, and that form's kind of holding up. But you look at the Storm now, they're outside the eight uh, with two points, one win, two losses, um, and a four and against a two. So they're still keeping the points out, but they're struggling to score. Uh, Penrith on top, played three, won three. 10 points against in three weeks. Yes, they've played the Bulldogs, um, but they've also played now the Storm and I'm trying to think of Cowboys. Round one. Cowboys, okay. So could have something to do with it considering Bulldogs have been blank two weeks in a row. All right. Uh, the first game on Friday night was uh, one of the games that we analysed prior to this week, uh, St. George versus Manly. Talked about how Dragons have had Manly's number for quite a few seasons now and it proved... Again, I actually had to watch this one. Um, Wally had the pleasure, I guess, from his point of view. And half time, it seemed like we had a game on our hands. 18-6 to St. George at that point. Uh, Manly were trying to move the ball around a fair Oh, sorry. Manly were moving the ball around a fair bit. Uh, maybe too early than they should have been at times without really earning the right to do it. And at times looked like they were troubling the Dragons, but... Just like the first two weeks, didn't have any of the finishing 
ability. And for the Dragons, it's a third pretty decent score. They run up in three weeks for two wins and a loss. And even in the loss, I think, to the Sharks, you guys put up 24 or something in the first round, wasn't it? Uh, it might have been 18. Hmm. Yeah. I think in the offseason, um, we looked at Anthony Griffin signing going, wow, for a team that's already struggling to score points, uh, they're bringing Anthony Griffin and points are just blitzing all over the place. That's the thing. He's put our key players on notice, essentially. He's gone to Ben Hunt and Corey Norman. You guys are running this team. You guys are the ones that are going to create Matt Dufty and Zach Link. Dufty was saying the other week, he um, put, pulled him aside and said, mate, your number one job is it's to run, get back to running, get involved inside, inside plays, out the plays, just be around the ball and get back to... And Dufty was saying, you know, I enjoy ball like, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you can see he's just, he's also, because he's off the inside shoulder of the half, it's then making Ben Hunt and Corey Norman a threat on the inside. That's a ball run. It's amazing what players in motion... Do. Oh instead yeah. Of using Duff, instead of using Dufty, the, like, the same way Mary used out the back play, out the back play, and then wait for a cutout ball. We're playing a lot flatter. We got players in motion, and then we're actually looking a lot threatening the edges who are, can both create stuff. Um, I think we got a pretty good balance. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, losing Ben Hunt is a tough one. Hopefully, it's a shorter term in shorter term in. Yeah, I think I'm not getting too far ahead of myself. Obviously, we've beating you guys and the Cowboys who both haven't won a game this year. So uh, the next month will probably tell us where we're at more. But I think mm-hmm. there's a, a good base to work on. Our bench has been really good, which is one area I thought we were going to struggle with because we necessarily have the big names or impact player. But Trent Marin, Daniel Alvaro has been massive. Um, and same with Kuasa uh, Farmacil. He's nothing flash, but he just does. You can tell he's come from... Does this job. He, that's it. He runs with the ball in two hands, pops it. If he hasn't got the ball, he's running up in a pair and just just dragging that extra defender forward. And it's made, made Paul Vaughan's played two of in, in a fair I don't while. know how fair long. While. He's actually looking he's looking effective again. He's got people running beside him and he's getting off the back of quick play. Um, like Andrew McCulloch's service had a dummy half with the boys over the advantage line and he seemed to be... Um, Here he says not going yeah, no, to be himself. It was uh, <laughs> a couple I'm of things. I've already, already got money on this. There we go. Oh, mate, why not? Um, a couple of things I've noticed. I was thinking with, with Hook coming in, it was going to bring maybe more stability and um, simplify Ben Hunt's game a bit more. I didn't expect the uh, offensive outburst he had over the first two weeks specifically. So it is a bit of a, a bit of a blow. We'd expect probably Adam Clune to come in unless he's got something else up his sleeve. Yeah. Um, what I also like is he's learned quickly from his mistakes. I think we picked up that he had uh, Josh Kerr on the edge in round one and he was found out pretty quickly and he hasn't gone back to that. I think that... Uh, Kerr's, played the, Kerr's played the last two games on the edge. Oh, sorry. No, no. What, what was he? He was playing at... What was your round one selection? That was a weird thing. Was he playing prop maybe? No, no, he's, he's played edge. What was the three, I think. selection we saw round one? Wait, I'm just bringing up the team list. Maybe it was... It probably was that. Yeah, no, yeah, Josh Kerr. Um, and Philly Mono at lock. And Philly Mono at lock, whereas in round... I didn't think 
Been playing on the edge since then. Narquez played edge both. Was it in the trial? Maybe he was played at prop. There was some weird thing that he um, did there. Next, he's usually a second round. No, so they changed it. He was a prop, and then apparently they were just mucking around in a team run, and they just threw Josh Kerr at training in back row. Oh, I like the way that looks, and then they kept him there. He was found out in the charity. That's what it would have been. Okay, so I'm at, on the edge, and then back. yeah, okay. In the last two weeks, he's been the edge. Okay. Week one, he would have suspect, but um, yeah, no, the we're just like our first up contact speed, which is one thing we've lacked in the past. We don't, we never got off the line. We just sat back and just let teams roll with us, but we're actually just good to see. And right, also, so, thanks for finally inviting me on the show after a win instead of yeah, okay. <laughs> this is an emergency call up for a while. I literally gave him an hour, and, hour. <laughs> and then it wasn't till probably right before I logged on, I went, oh shit. They smashed us this weekend. <laughs> so after round three, Seagulls are dead last with a four chance of already negative 82 after scoring only 28 points in three weeks. Dragons are sitting pretty, pretty, pretty in fifth spot, four points with two wins and one loss. Um, from a manly point of view, Hasler's run out of time. Like, I, don't, I don't know what he's waiting for. What he's, he's picked almost the same team three weeks in a row. It's obviously not working. Um, They've got players like um, Koala in the wings, um, Morgan Harper. Morgan Harper is not going to light the world on fire, but he's going to do a better job than what Brad Parker's doing at the moment. You've got Josh Schuster, who's a damn good 5'8 playing. He, he played edge. really – he was your best player on, on yeah. Friday. He looked amazing. As a back rower, even as a back rower threatening. So we've got like pretty much kept um, someone else picked up an injury on the um, of our edges in the New South Wales Cup as well. So it looks like she's going to be filling in a second row position for the near future. You still got Lachlan Croker playing um, hooker over uh, Kate Cust, um, which I don't understand. I said you got Harper, you've got Koala, who's one of the young, really promising outside backs. There is literally no reason right now why you can't be blooding some more young youngsters because the squad he's putting out there aren't doing the job. Um, the stars aren't performing like stars. Cherry Evans trying to do too much. Foran is running the ball, but not doing anything more than that. Brad Parker's a turnstile. Dylan Wolf. Your, your hooking options are not cool. They're so bad. I can't believe the club didn't address that in the in the off season. It's disgusting. Um, yeah, it's we're we're playing Thursday night against Penrith, and Manly had the hardest first five rounds in Roosters. Um, I'll see. Okay, Roosters, Rabbitohs, St George at Bogeyside, then Penrith. Like. That's not an easy start, but God damn, I wish we'd been putting up a little bit more of a contest because it's embarrassing to watch. I've got no positives to take out of it except for Schuster. And he, he's pretty much showing, well, I'd prefer to be him starting at 5'8 than 4'1 and 4'1 being a bit of a utility. I don't know. Or at least Schuster being 14 and coming on as 5'8 if shit's not working. Anyway, um, we still got 22 more weeks to not be last. All right, there's Roosters Friday night. Now, I'm, I'm usually against bullying, but this was quite good to watch. Um, 
Rabbitohs made the Roosters look very average. Yeah, it was a very unrooster performance. They're ill disciplined on. They could not hold the ball. Dumb decisions. Hargraves came on and just, I don't know if he was just pissed off because he's been playing on the bench, but he just, uh, like, it was after mainly directed at Jai Arrow, but yeah. every time he was involved in something, he was either giving away a penalty or making an S. Yeah, he sort of set the tone for that. Fafita came on and oh, had his brain. I'm still surprised Warrior Hargraves has stayed at the Roosters for so long, considering the culture they've built there. To me, he still doesn't. Like, they got rid of Liam Knight pretty quick, who'd come from Manly. Like, Warrior Hargraves came from Manly as well. And I was glad to see him go because he's just a douche. Like, yeah, he's he's had three decent seasons numbers-wise, but he's just a thug. I'm glad to have him out of our club. I'm surprised he's lasted the Roosters. And I agree with you. He doesn't deserve a starting spot anymore with uh, Takiyaho and Collins. Um, Whether he's trying to put his in on the game, I don't know, but yeah, he knows when he came on. He was in, yeah, the- especially pretty sure when Fafita hit it, arrow in the back of the head. Was it Crichton? No, nah, it was Crichton. Crichton, yeah, because Arrow got up looking at Crichton. Crichton's like, what the "Fuck, no, dude!" <laughs> yeah, get up! He's just yelling at him, "Get up!" Oh, that's right. He's saying, "Get up, get up!" Because Crichton didn't see that he'd been punched in the back of the head. He's like wondering what that. But I tell you, just, uh, Cody Walker, man, he just ripped the Roosters to shreds. He was, he was all over the shop. They scored their last point, their last try, sorry, in the 43rd minute. Um, but the, the Roosters suddenly scored a try. And he, what, 18, 4, 22, 24, 22 nil um, before the Roosters got points on the board. Nah, uh, it was out. Oh, James Tedesco, uh, Brett Morris, you two, you two usuals, and then Josh Morris in the 80th minute. But they were really consolation points. Rabbitohs control yeah. the game almost from start to finish, and made our tips. The Roosters look pretty dumb. So we said the Roosters had started the season in better form, but they've also played Manly in the West Tigers. Mm. First time they've been put under pressure against a decent team, and they folded pretty quick. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the, um, I don't know if it was because of all the hype during the week about this game, but the first 15 minutes was so scrappy. Like, mm. neither team could hold onto the ball. And it wasn't until the, that South scored first, then they just clicked from there and the Roosters came. And, and that left edge of the Rabbits is very so good. If, like, yeah. they, they picked apart the right edge of the Roosters' comp. And, like, when Kiri, mm. um, and they just embarrassed them. Like, it, was, it was a very impressive performance. I, yeah, it was just very unrooster-like, but it was My Latrell Mitchell, Dalian bet's looking pretty good, I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, he started the season so well. They did they had almost six, six and a half minutes extra possession the Rabbitohs had. Uh, 34 runs and 300 more metres. Like, they, they dominated, doubled the line breaks, seven more tackle breaks. Um, kick return meters. Like you don't usually outdo the the roosters in kick return meters with uh, Tupo and Brett Morris, but they only had 107 kick meter returns between them, which is tiny. Um, Tupo looked, but well, they, they were just bombing him. They were trying to bomb Tupo, which was 
interesting, but it was keeping Morris and um, Tedesco out of running the ball back. And every time Tupo caught it, that mm. him down pretty much straight away. Which and is it also get it also gets Tupo out of Terry back too. Yeah, true. It's what teams used against Ferguson. They'll bomb mm. Ferguson. So he's also not a great catch as well. <laughs> that too. But neither the save, I say. Yeah, yeah uh, true. You, you can take your pick. But yeah, the night, the night didn't get much of the Roosters by the end of it, losing Lamb. Kiri, Lamb, uh, Lindsay Collins as well. 27 missed by the Roosters and 12 errors and six penalties conceded. Holy shit. Mm. All for rugby. I can't believe how, how many injuries they've copped in the last over 12 months. Like last year, they were. Mm copping a new injury every week and then yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do moving forward um, so you're like if Kiri and Lamb are out you're looking at and Walker and might Walker get a crack then there's talk yeah. whether Joey Manu will play 5-8 or and then they can purchase him at 5-8 Billy Smith's not due back oh because he got another injury um yeah. cool I've got I think I've had Sam Walker or Hutchinson one of them on my fantasy side is because they were the cheapest option and I needed that for <laughs> players so that may pay off um all right so to me next one raiders versus warriors now what a freaking game was um this is a, a the a word you wouldn't uh use often for these scenes this was an arm wrestle uh for for the first pretty much 20 minutes you'd say uh Fanua blake got across in the fifth white and got across in the 15th it was good to see white and run the ball again um and then from then on, it was kind of, all right, who's going to crack first? They were feeling each other out, all this. And then Raiders went boom, 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 21, 29, 31st minute. And all of a sudden, it was 25, 6 at half time. And I was just going, where'd that come from? Because they were going at each other. It was, it was, it wasn't the high scoring contest I expected. But yeah, both teams were ready to play. And then our Raiders kind of, Clicked into gear. Brian Sutton um, came on their bench, was really good. Sutton and Soliola both scored off the bench. Um, and then Warriors kind of, yeah, folded uh, for a period of time there, going into half time. The downside for the Raiders in that first 15 minutes, they also lost Ryan James, Sebastian Chris, and Joseph Tarpany. Joseph Tarpany, thank you. And so they were playing that second half of the first half with 14 players. And then that carried through to the second half. And but that, that's what clicked them into gear. Like it was. Just too, like, they were bad against the Sharks. They didn't start them well. Like the Warriors were all over them. And then when the head clash, James and um, oh. Chris happened, it was shocking. Like, I've never seen two stationary people just on top of each other. Yeah, on a field. it wasn't good to look at. Was no, it? but then something happened. I think they might, have, they might have scored off the next set or one after that. And then, yeah, I, I literally went outside. I come back in and then the score tries. I'm like, and there were good tries, like freaking um, uh, George Williams' try was real nice. Elliot Whitehead finishing off that end-to-end move from. Um, little key ball over the top to Rapana to give a bit of space. And that was a try down the, down the sideline and then kicking it in field for Whitehead to chase. But then, and that was after Cody Nicarima had scored, and you felt the Warriors were getting on top. You could you could just feel, are you looking at the Raiders players? Every time the ball was out, 
there were some with their hands on their knees. You only had Tom Starling on the bench. So if he came on, you were bringing a replacement hooker on for a prop or whatever. Um, Bally's the timing across the stripe the again. Of, yeah. The timing of that too. Like those two weeks, they didn't pick Starling. They went with four forwards off the Billy Bears. Oh, the yeah, true. I didn't even think of that. And <laughs> the first... The first time they played. They really needed it. Three medals. Yeah. Oh, man. And then, I don't know, like... I think the worst thing that happened to the Raiders, other than the injuries, was because the Warriors were just getting blown off the park. Yeah. And then the moment halftime came, it just... And other than that one try scored, um, it was just one-way traffic. It was. And, and because it was one-way traffic, Raiders were just making tackle after tackle, set after set. And you got to give credit to the Warriors. It's not their issue or their fault that the, the Raiders lost three players, but you've still got to take advantage of those situations when you get it. So it's not going to happen every week. Yeah. And you're not going to turn your nose up at a 20 point or whatever back. Yeah, it was the biggest comeback yeah. in Warriors history. They, they opened yeah. their previous highest comeback. And you can see Warriors teams have passed. Um, not, not chasing this down because they'd get too friendly with the ball. They'd offload it. They'd push the pass, all this sort of stuff. Their tries were, were well-set-up tries. Um, Balasirinen got across the strike for a second. And ben, ben Murdoch Masilla is looking better every week um, coming off the bench. He's got, he's, got try, he's got a try every week, hasn't he? He's got one the last two. I don't know if he got one round one. I'd have to yeah, maybe too many to think of. Um, two of was everywhere like he i remember watching this going not just the warriors but nrl is so going to miss him next year when he when he goes to union like jared and i've talked to good on him he's chasing a dream of his and he couldn't give any more to rugby league than he has um he was a live wire for the roosters he's given everything to the warriors as a captain he was absolutely brilliant on the weekend getting across for a try on the 69th and then Adam Pompey getting across in the 77th. And I think Maddie, my wife, and I were on the couch just urging the Raiders, get across, get across, get across. You could see what happened. And they were just dead on their feet. Just their legs had gone. They'd played. Poor, yeah, poor old Curtis Scott. Like, oh, yeah. I think he was. He was, he was yeah, that's a broken rib, wasn't it? He, yeah. he was playing with a broken rib. They'd played 65 minutes with 14 people. And the Warriors just came home. And um, it was one of those. So the Raiders. The Raiders had the chance to win it at the end. Yeah, they did. Oh, yeah, it's the um, Jordan Rapana had the the chance in the corner. And you could see, like, once, as soon as his players came across, he knew he hadn't got there. Mm. Um, It was too vast a check. It hit him. him, um, So Raiders had the last play right in the corner. Backline move. They'd stripped the Warriors for numbers. Um. Rapana got down the sideline, one of the best finishes in the game, and then this this body just flew across. Full stretch. Um, and you looked over, and, of course, it was Tuivasa Shek. And on top of this, I've said it every week, this this now is the best jersey matchup we've seen. The the Raiders at home, green milk jersey with the um, Warriors away jersey. It was brilliant. And, and, and what a game. Like, both coaches are extremely proud of their teams. Um, Nathan Brown was more matter-of-fact saying we're not going to be able to do that every week. There's still a lot of things we need to improve on, um, be more concerned no. with. But he was happy with the, the fight. Um, and Ricky Stewart, 
with the fight as well. It's Raiders should have won that. That 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 try off a four pass should not have been called. But that's, that's not going to make any of them feel any better. Oh, that was such a shocker. It was so slow too. So and Perinara was, was in line. He stopped to be in line. He stopped. Yeah. Oh mate. That, that was bad. Was, you can see why he was repping in reserve grade um, last week. Yeah, I think he'll be back there. He's just making – it just sucks that his errors are big errors. And, and they're, they're like, so Warriors are now two wins, one loss. Um, they're in ninth spot, tied on four points, but that goes all the way up to third and down to them in ninth, just based off points differential. There's a 12. Uh, Canberra is sitting up in sixth, two wins and a loss as well, but their points differential is 17. They've got the Titans next week. That should be a cracker if their injuries um, – can be filled. Titans versus Raiders is always pretty high scoring, fun game. Um, I'm really enjoying what the Warriors are doing this year. I hope they keep building. Um, losing Chanel Harris to Vita was a big loss, but Sean O'Sullivan did did, did himself no harm over the weekend. Um, nothing fun, mm. but did his job. Battle of the Bees, Bronco versus Bulldogs. This, if you got through this game for the first try, I commend you. Um, halftime score was 2-0 due to a Jermaine Asako penalty goal in the 33rd minute. There were no points scored for over half an hour and until a penalty goal. And that was a halftime score. And then it still took another 18 minutes in the second half for a try to happen. And then Broncos put on four in just under 20 minutes. Uh, God. Uh, Jermaine Asako keeps looking good. Xavier Coates got across the line again. It showed how much it meant to him to get back, one, back across the line, but B, for the Broncos to win. This broke a 13-game losing streak going back into last season. So you could see why they were celebrating so much. Um, Bulldogs, I'm not going to say you should have, but could have gone in front in the first half. They did make a break. Adam Elliott double-pumped. To trick Asako and then threw about a metre and a half forward pass, which Kyle Flanagan juggled a couple of times and then dropped. But there was no forward pass on the play, so it would have counted as a try if he'd put it down. Who knows how that could have changed things, but that kind of sums up the Bulldogs' season so far. It's two weeks in a row they've been held a nil, a 28 and a 24-point scoreline. Somehow they're still above Manly on four and against. <laughs> <laughs> which is horrible oh um, and mainly have scored in all their games so I think what sticks in my head one of the best goose step side step efforts I've seen in a long time Jermaine Asako got through Corey Allen was fullback goose stepped left foot right foot step and Corey Allen was literally just planted to the ground he was still and fell down I went okay that was pretty it was very similar to the one he did to Cooper Cronk. He did it in the, in the Golden Point match. He got back on Brisbane. Oh, jeez. Two or three years ago. It might have been Cronk's first year at the Roosters. Anyway, he did the same thing, little one-two. Yeah. He just absolutely broke Cooper Cronk's ankles and scored the winning try in, um, in Golden Point. Oh, man. No, I can't. Well, I'm going to say I'm not going to keep Broncos and Roosters' memories in my head for too long, but... <laughs> I think this one's going to stay in there because it was pretty to watch. And I said the exact same thing. I was like, oh, Sarko just broke Alan's ankles. And 
Maddie looked up. The funniest thing was he broke their ankle. Two, I was like, he had two unmarked men inside him. Yes, because he'd blown one earlier where he tried going himself and he should have passed. I was like, oh fuck, he's gonna do it again. But Maddie went, who broke their ankle? No, no, Asako broke one's ankles. She, he's like, what? I'm like, the saying. I've never heard it. Uh, yes, lost a year of marriage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Broncos get a win, 24-0 over the Bulldogs. I think Trent Barrett's finding out what he's actually walked into. I think oh, okay. Bulldogs to improve slightly. I had him finishing 14th, I think. Um, that's still looking sick now. I honestly, at the start of the year, all these people looking up how well they've recruited and for the eight. Oh, not good, no. Honestly, I'm like, their recruitment wasn't even that good. They got Kyle Funnigan, who was a reject. To be fair, like, he wasn't horrible. The only thing he was really good for was goal kicking, leaving. Then they signed Nick Cottrick, who, yeah, good winger. They're playing him out of a center, um, out of position. Then they signed Jack Hetherington, Corey Waddell. Corey Allen. Corey Allen, who couldn't make the top 17s at their club full strength. Like, Corey Waddell couldn't even make the top manly, and you guys had a million injuries. And he was the guy on the bench. It's raving about how good the recruitment's been. And then you bring in Trent Barrett, who last time he was a head coach, got sacked or pretty much pushed out of the club. Hmm. Because no one really... Our furniture wasn't up to standard. That's right. And then Dennis Hudson came in the next year and took us to... Yeah, I, I just didn't get the hype around I think I think they were amped up because all their signings were upgrades for the Bulldogs in their positions rather than yeah. the fact yeah, that they were really from other clubs. Probably these signings are about the signings that come, I guess. So like yeah. you go, yeah, they can't. Then what are they gonna do? They're two they're a two winger and a back and a and a player that's played five games at first. Like, he looks like a handy player, but I'll tell you what, their pack has got to be left. What left to be desired? Yeah, you yeah. can't do anything with halves and a back line if you can't go anywhere. Because they still haven't, their hooker has been their biggest need and they haven't done anything about that. Um, we didn't even talk about Matt Burton in the Penrith Storm game, but he was absolutely brilliant um, considering how, the game that how, he was in. How Corey Waddell has managed to start every game this year when they had Patala Mariner sitting on the, who was mm. probably their best player last year. And then got injured. Yeah, Joe Simpson. That's the one I don't get. He came up he as a Queensland rep player. He played 13 minutes on the That's oh. I know he got injured last year, but he got signed from Melbourne as a Queensland origin player. And yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I yeah. the same thing. I don't know what Barrett's doing yet, but the, I guess the upside is Flanagan. I felt for playing and getting to cut from the roosters. I don't think oh, he he copped a he copped a pretty raw end of the stick, but for I a rookie year, he played, played damn well. I I I I think he was a good sign. I think he's looked good for the Bulldogs. He's added what they have, which is actually control kicking um, against Newcastle in the first round. His vision set up two tries with beautiful cutout balls, but. Yeah, only do as much as like allows him to do, and yeah, you were talking about Ben Hunt earlier and what the players around a half need to do to be able to allow them to be their best. Um, any of that, the Bulldogs. So Broncos get their first win of the season. Um, they're up 20, uh, 24 nil. 
Yeah, I'm going to say it flattered them slightly, but yeah. Yeah, the game just opened yeah. up in the last 20s. Yeah. And I'm glad I didn't say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, a game I did not get to watch uh, live, I had to go back and watch the, the replay of, was the Eels versus Sharks 28 4. The Eels ran away with this one. Uh, this was a game they're talking about with the three HIAs and the knee injury to Sione Katoa. So the Sharks played this one very limited with regards to numbers. Sione Katoa did actually score the first try of the game in the sixth minute with the Sharks in front. Um, and then it was all pretty much the Eels from there. Sharks did put up a damn good fight with regards to effort. But yeah, a similar thing to the Raiders in that you just can't hold off a team at this level for that long um, when you're lacking bodies. The difference is they didn't have the 20-point the lead here. They had a four-point lead. Um, they lost quick anyway to, to Ferguson, who's putting last year's try-scoring drought worries behind him with a double. And this one, Mike Acevo, it's Bank West, so he guaranteed to score, and he did in the 35th minute. Uh, Campbell Gillard getting across for a props try in the 72nd and race on the 77th. So you're looking at tries in 69 in the last 11 minutes of the game, basically. Um, for Eels to run away with it, they did what they needed to do if they want to be considered a top four side, which is beat a team that's depleted, same as what uh, the Warriors did. Uh, they just did it in a different way because it was only 10-4 at half time and they ran in 18 unanswered points in the second half. Um, Sharks have been gritty to start the season, we'll say. Uh, they just obviously didn't have the bodies and the juice and the tank really left to, to finish this game. And that's understandable when you lose your entire bench. Yeah, I wouldn't be too – if I was a Sharks fan, I wouldn't be too disheartened. I mean, they – they beat us, then they only really had themselves to blame not being. Mm, um, that was conversion kicking. Yeah, and then this game, I mean, what it was, they were still in it. What were they 12? It was 12 in the season. Then four at half time. Yeah, so that was, they were still in it going into the last 15 Yeah, 11 minutes. 10 minutes of game. Yeah, it was a great yeah. effort. And that Ferguson try just came off a scrappy crossfield kicked around and then it just ended mm. up in his lap. It wasn't really until the last two, sort of just the fatigue really set in and they just started back all. Now that sort of effort can like, like I said, bring the team together for next week, but it's also how many of those players are actually going to be able to play. They've got the Cowboys next week, um, which definitely is a winnable oh, the sunny coast. Oh, that'll be interesting because that's supposed to be on the coast. Oh, so is that meant to be on the Case, is that? Yeah. Let's have a look. Oops. Because I haven't even heard of it. That's probably why. Because of COVID and all that. So look, sharks. Yeah, Sancho Coast. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I might get this. Power have just done what they did, what they had to do. They, they're gritty and they, you see them run away with games late. A lot of like, you know, they'll get in the arm wrestle and they'll really grind the other team. They'll, get a couple of expansive trials. Um, they, they showed they could yeah. do that against Melbourne the week previous. Um, yeah, and they've gone back to play arm wrestle they're, games now. They're, they're playing through that against Brisbane. They were trying to be a tipping goal around mm. them and they made so many errors. Now they're like Junior Paulo and Campbell Gillard the last couple of weeks brought Ferguson. I don't know Ferguson. Ferguson has been massive too, but yeah. Gutho has just been everywhere. Honestly, he is fast becoming one of my favorite. Um, don't, don't know why. Uh, but I'd say it. 
just something about him, mate. He's just hung on. As soon as I saw him do like that thrusting white person dance, I was like, no, (laughs) that was the last straw. Yeah, Um, that's true, actually. Yeah. Um, So Eels are looking pretty good again. Um, Three wins, uh, 36 points of French, and they got the Tigers next week. They they did lose Mitch Moses to a HIA um, pretty early on, too. So he'll pull up. He'll he'll be in concussion protocols, so... Uh, tell you who was really good, and Billy Mitch will hate this, but it was Will Smith. Will Smith was massive. He can't let a couple of for touches for um, Hey? I'll take your word for it. I don't mind Will Smith. Yeah. He's, he's just neither here nor there for me. He um he set up Sevo's try with a nice cutout ball, and I'm pretty sure he put his through as well. So, yeah. He'd be, he'd be the number one backup option then, so he'd, he'd jump into... Yeah. Oh, and also, um, Murata near Cora, he has found himself a home at San. Yeah, he's absolutely. I heard he had a really. He has the pace. Oh, he's, you can tell he's a back rower, but he's not like Bo Scott in the centre or something like that. He's he's still got a bit of zip about him. He got that he goes in the centres. Holy shit! I tell you, I tell you who I'd rather have in the centres between the blokes. Woo! Don't come back, buddy. All right, on Sunday, um, I haven't got to talk to Jared about this game yet, but West Tigers 24 over night 20 up at uh, up in Newcastle. So this was Mitch Pierce's 300 game. He did get across for a try. Um, and at that stage, it looked like Knights were going to be the good. So they were leading um, in the 68th minute uh, before, of course, David Norfoluma got his customary try in the 72nd minute. Uh, but again, another game that came down to convert, conversions, four tries each, four conversions for the Tigers, two conversions for the Knights, and Adam Dewey had a day out. Um, listen to the first half of this on the radio. I was driving home from a baseball semifinal, and I swear every third player called was Dewey, whether it was attack or defense. I'm just like, man, this guy must be having a game. And I watched the second half, and he was, he was – all over. He missed the first week. He was pretty invisible last week, as with most of the Tigers after getting demolished by the Roosters. Um, but, man, he, he was just buzzing. He was absolutely buzzing. Uh, Stefano Udimakano had a great game off the bench uh, for the Tigers and uh, still missing Callum Ponga. Tex Hoy had a pretty decent game. Mitch Barnett got across the stripe again, and it was a 12-10 lead to the Tigers at halftime, so they doubled their score while the um, Knights doubled in a bit theirs. But, yeah, the conversions let them down. So pretty entertaining game considering I watched half and listened to half. Uh, Tigers fans would be absolutely stoked with the turnaround from last week to this week. Knights fans, I would be expecting to be pretty down after dropping this one at home. A big occasion as well for Mitch Pierce's yes. 300. Um, yeah. Yeah, they, their first half, the amount of errors they made, I'm not sure how many. They just, they were flattered to be down 12, to be honest. Top, top yeah. Just completely did the game. Um, but I, I'm, honestly, I'm I'm happy for Michael Meyer. I, I, he wears his heart on his He's a, he's a hard ass and he demeans the best and he hasn't been getting them team, but that was as close to an 80-minute performance, I think. Um, they had a couple of lapses. Uh, 
Um, but but they stayed in the fight and then they they got the chance. They were they didn't panic after that. They put a kick down into the corner. Mark's made an error, then they scored off two and it's held the game out. And I won it. Um, I think I think that's what he'd be looking for. The just the we don't need to panic here. We got ten minutes left in the game to the corner, back out of fence, and if we get knocked so yeah. And that's a completely different mantra for the West Tigers than what the last decade almost. Yeah, that's right. And the Back our defense. They were really good. They were busy. They got their hands on the ball. And yeah, it was pretty. Another sneaky good game by Jacob Liddell, who started the season pretty well. 18 errors for the Knights. 18. Yeah. Holy shit. Um, um, the only stat worse than that is maybe the West Side's ineffective tackles of 27 compared to seven. <laughs> wow. Um, not great reading across this whole no. game in some areas, but um, Knights actually dominated with regards to the number of runs, the number of run metres, post-contact metres, uh, all that sort of stuff, but it um, doesn't translate if you don't kick your goals. So completely... No. And we were talking about the Knights being one of the best completion rate teams of last year and to start this year. Their completion rate was 67%, 28 of 42. That's got to be the if not one of the lowest completion rates they've had in the last two plus years. Because uh, they're, they're averaging 80s and they had 90% last week when they controlled the game um, against the Warriors. So looking at the latter, Knights are sitting in eighth position, Tigers in 13th, Knights on four points, Tigers on two. Tigers next week have the Eels, Knights have the Dragons, which... Could shape up to be a pretty decent game, actually. And then the last game of the round. Now, this one's created some commentary um, based off Josh Maguire's post-match comments about he's over it, uh, the efforts and the results of the Cowboys of the last three years. Um, A lot of Cowboys Twitter, which I'm on Twitter quite a bit, if you haven't noticed, but Cowboys Twitter is usually pretty quiet. Uh, There's not a lot of Cowboys supporters that that jump on there, but they were fuming. And the anger was directed at someone I didn't expect it to be aimed at, which was Todd Payton and the club. And the selection of him as a coach is one of the worst decisions they've made in a few number of years. And I was just like, well, guys, there's nothing really different here than what we've been seeing for the last year and a half, unless you've been looking through rose-coloured glasses or something, because the Cowboys haven't been good for quite a little while now. Um, the 44, it was a 44 to eight loss at home to, since they've come in, has been the worst performing Queensland team in the Titans. So we know I've pretty much turned a corner. I, I turned a page in their book um, and the Cowboys haven't, conceded a bigger score since going out 48-4 to the Raiders in 2010. So they were scoring 11 years posted against them. Um, and Peyton summed it up. Across the board, we just lacked effort and drive and we lacked a bit of resilience. And at the moment, I think Josh McGuire said we've just got such a soft underbelly. We we get into the pressure part of the, of the, of the field and we just fold. There's no resolve. There's nothing going on and I watched um, Maguire's thing after the game I'm like if you look that disappointed why is the team even let it get to this situation because no offence to the Titans they're great to watch but to me the 
still a little, a, a few steps away from running up scores like this against more fancied opposition. Um, but I'll put it this I way. Think it, it, the, worry, uh, the fact that the Storm and Roosters haven't put scores like this on the Cowboys in the last two years, but the Titans have now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's happened to the Cowboys because week one, their defence was actually really good against Oh, Penn. yeah, against Penn. It was brilliant. Yeah, they just kept turning up. The last two weeks, they were, weren't great against us, but one-on-one tackles that they were missing. And I know Dave Fafet is a tough... I think he had 12 or 13 himself, but four older. Yeah. Jake Clifford. Um, oh, man. Some of the, some of the edge. To... How's Cohen still starting? Mate, I think he's at least there at the moment, though. There's just, there's just no cohesion. Oh, Murray Tulagi. I was I happy Murray Tulagi came in. And he. Yeah, their best, their best player of the last two weeks has been Valentine. He was pretty good against us. And yes, plus, yeah. Yeah, like yeah he played fullback. Yeah, one try assist does another try. He puts a line break himself, threw a ball and then put it down as well. He could have easily had three try assists, three meters. And people are still bagging him. Like, I was listening to NRL 360. Oh, he wants to play fullback, but what's he done in there? I'm like, did you even watch the game last night? He's the only person that would showed any promise on the field, really. That's not the point. Um, but I think this game was more of a reflection of how bad the Cowboys were because I don't think the Titans really had to work. Um, one of the things you do really see, Jamal Fogarty kicking seven from seven. Um, so that's got mm. confidence. That's, that's, AJ... been one thing, that's been one thing that's let them down over the years. Is they... And AJ Brimson getting a double, Corey Thompson getting a double, David Fafita on the score sheet again. Fodder Waker being um, rewarded for his form. Murray Tulagi, a bright spot for the Cowboys, without Kyle Felt um, kicking two tries, no conversions for the Cowboys. Um, the team, the most, the most, the team da- the, most damning, the most damning stat is 11 line breaks. Too. That comes after them allowing seven to us leagues. So that's 18 line breaks in two games. Wow, that's a lot. I'm just looking so at... There was one... There was yeah. one that led to um, literally it came off the back of Aaron Clark just running sideways, trolling a flat ball, and Jamie Jolly literally just ran into it as a space. There was that much of a gap between the third defender and the second defensive line that, like, I just don't know. It's like they've never defended next to each other. Well, one of the things that Pat was talking about is the fact that there is no communication. And there's confusion. No one's talking to each other, which means there's no movement, um, which leads to gaps. And you, you look at what Peyton, when he took over for the Warriors last year, one of the biggest things was the buying from the players and the fact of how tight it was and they were there for each other. This couldn't be, those comments couldn't be any further from what you saw last year. And I honestly didn't expect this to happen because Peyton's had experience. He's, he's been part of the coaching staff here before. He knows the area, you know. He knows what's expected up here. I didn't, I honestly did not see this as one of the issues. The lack of cohesion in the team. I was like, yeah, maybe they don't have the most talented roster. They've got a good roster. They've got a good enough roster. Your, your feet out, your homes, your masters, if you can get the most out of him. You still got, he's injured at the moment, Tamalolo, but he was held to 36 metres against Penrith. Um, the issue isn't 
the talent they've got in the pocket and the mm, exactly application they're getting out of the set works in the pocket. And that's what that's what I was not worried about because no. he showed he could do that with the Warriors. And yeah, there was different circumstances, but the other side is there's similar circumstances here in the you've got a bunch of talented players who are underperforming that need to come together and start working as a team in one direction. And it's too late now for it to be a Thurston hangover. Um, they can't. It's uh, funny. I think this has been building for a while because it was happening. Green was still there, then he left. Mm. I think there's, there's. I think there's been a. I wouldn't say a bad culture, but there's something at the moment, and I don't think Peyton probably really into that. Yeah, whether, whether it's the standards, whether it's the. I don't. Um, but to be. To be for people to be pointing the finger is a joke. Like, there's no no denying he's there was three games in a row, but yeah, I I think he's a bit lost himself. Like you, yeah. Where do you go to from here? Forty-two um, missed yeah. tackles. Josh McGuire hit the nail. Like that was that's see that's what you want to see from players. You want just it's it's ridiculous. Like good and bad, obviously. But he was just like, no, nah, it. like it's been going yeah. for so long. It's been happening before Peyton was here. He's not the one that's walking out in nah. the field. Like he was just. I'm trying he's to actually see. One, he's probably one of the better season. He has been better this season than he was last year, definitely. Look, he had twelve hitouts for 112 meters. Um, in saying that, I think he, I think Peyton 32 tackles. The balance of his team wrong. He's playing three hookers. Yeah, he's playing Reuben Cotter playing lock. He's just not big enough. No. Yeah, I think he can get away with a small lock if you're rolling down the field, which is what today they put. You like the yeah, and played Peachy, and then they they Dino and Jared Wallace, who's found a new someone mm. lately. Um, they're just rolling down the field, and then you just got Peachy. Yeah, I'd, I'd Warriors do the same Peachy. thing. Warriors have Fanua Blake and. Um, Fanua Brown up front, and you can play Jazz Tavega at lock, and he's a smaller lock. Um, they've got Lachlan Burr there, who he brought from the Warriors. He played lock at the start of his career before he shifted to prop. I'd, he's hardly had any minutes um, for Payton. He kind of brought him with him since he moved up there from uh, New Zealand to, to North Queensland. So after that one, Cowboys, it's not a very happy Hoy household because uh, no. the Cowboys are 14th. Oh, they've had our number the last couple of years too, so I'm not looking forward to that. Titans, look at this. Two wins and a loss. Uh, their loss was to the Warriors in round one in a game where they still played well, and I got to go down to the Broncos one. Like I said, they're versing Canberra next week, which will be good. Um, Cowboys have got the Sharks, and that'll be interesting based off the Sharks' injuries. Well, man, that was a big show. Thank you so much for filling in well um, at late night. Thanks for sticking with us, guys. A bit of a disrupted uh, episode and, and um, I guess, a preview from us, getting all our stats and head around everything that's been going on. Um, hopefully next week, we, uh, Jared and I can finally get back on track to recording Sunday nights and getting it out Monday morning. It just hasn't worked with moving to the new house. I didn't realise how much it's going to take out of the family. Uh, rookie error, we'll say. Um, we'll be coming back to you Thursday morning. Uh, after recording Wednesday night with a round four preview. Um, some bright spots that we didn't get to tonight, but I'll make sure we cover them 
then otherwise rate and review on whatever platform you listen on and chat soon bye thank you for tuning in to six again connect with the show on twitter instagram and the six again website all links via the show's bio be sure to check out adam's craft beer choice of the week